Well, this morning I want to share uh, with you uh, a word in this series. We've been uh, in a series called Moving Forward, and we've been kind of tracking with, uh, in the book of Exodus, uh, with the children of Israel as God is bringing them out of bondage and, and stepping them toward their destiny. I believe that's what God is doing for us in this house. I, I believe that many of you feel this momentum that is, that's happening uh, in the spirit. But I, I, I want to speak this message to you in this series called Moving Forward, Looking Back. Because in, in, in order for us to truly step into God's promises uh, individually and corporately, we have to know what God has said to us in the past. In Exodus chapter 13, as God is liberating uh, his people, verse 3, Moses says this. He says to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. This is the establishment of that, that part of the feast. This part of Passover. And it would go on just a few verses later and say this. This you shall keep year after year after year after year. The point isn't that they're going to eat a lamb and unleavened bread. Although they would do that. The point is remember. Remember what God has said. Remember what he did. You need to remember. As I, as I was praying and seeking about this message, the Lord gave me a picture. Uh, in July, which right now I'm actually kind of praying we could just accelerate right into uh, July based upon the temperatures. In July, uh, I like to uh, take my kids, you know, maybe a couple times a year and go scalloping out on the scalloping grounds. And uh, I have this little pontoon boat. It's just a duffer, but we get out there. And, uh, and, and we, we get out there uh, together. But I, I learned, uh, you know, how to navigate out there and I have a little GPS. And so, and now every time I just kind of follow my handheld GPS, I just follow the line. It kind of feels like we're going in a straight line. But when you're driving a boat, you know, you can kind of look back and be really surprised that all along it felt like we were going in a straight line, but it actually turns out that the GPS has been giving us a nudge left and a nudge right. Why? Because there were unseen hazards that we were navigating. And I just want to tell you that many times we just feel like God's moving us forward. But if you'll look back, you'll see how God spoke to you something and it moved you one direction and it actually saved you from shipwrecking yourself in that season. And then God speaks something else and it moves you into safety. And all you feel like is you're moving forward. But sure enough, there is an unseen hand and an unseen power driving you deeper into your purpose. And when you look back, you see the goodness of God. And so today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look back and we're going to remember we're going to steward what God said. If you're a person that takes notes here, you should take notes today. And if you're a person that doesn't take notes, you should take notes today. And you can do that at Calvary.online. There's message notes. They come right down to your phone. They'll launch the Bible app. They'll, lots of them will be there for you. Second Peter 1, this is what Peter said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, for this reason, I will not be negligent 
to remind you always of these things that you should know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it's right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. This verse is very meaningful to me since on the very coldest day of the year, I actually was in a tent with my kids at Camp Connect. And so this verse just really ministered to me that while I'm in this tent, I was thinking about stirring people up by reminding them what God said to us through the major themes that he spoke to us in 2018. And this is very, very, very important. Because these things are not just things that I, I just feel like we should share. Or maybe I needed another sermon. That's actually, that's actually not how sermon series happen for me. Matter of fact, in February of 2018, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was... I was uh, I was at this restaurant, and it was beautiful. It was an outdoor seating capacity. I knew it was in Italy. It was a totally Tuscan restaurant. Uh, white linens over the table, beautiful glass, everything was set. And all of these people were already feasting at the table. And I noticed these tables were, were, were set. They were ready, but no one was sitting in them. And, and, I, and I said to the owner of the restaurant, I said, who are these tables reserved for? He says, I have prepared this place for those who are working in the fields. And I knew it was wheat. Then immediately, I dreamed the whole dream over again. Right after that. Same dream, same restaurant, everyone's feasting, and I asked the owner again, who are these tables reserved and set for? And the owner would speak to me and say, these seats are, 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 are reserved and ready for those who are laboring in the vineyard. And I, I, I immediately knew that the table was set and that God was, was ready to receive those who had been working in the kingdom. You say, how did you know that? Because I had read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it was from that moment that I realized that many people wouldn't understand the, the, the picture that God was releasing. So I did a series called Tell Me a Story. Tell Me a Story was titled that way because when I would try to put my kids to bed when they were young, I'd tuck them in. You know, it's time for them to go to sleep. They know if dad prays over them, I'm leaving the room. And it's time for them to go to sleep. So they try to interrupt that by saying, Daddy, tell me a story. And so uh, I would. I would tell them stories. And, and, and here in the parables, this is Jesus telling us the stories of the kingdom. You see, the parables that we examined, they actually revealed the mysteries of the kingdom. 
There was one uh, titled The Incomparable Kingdom. It was uh, from Matthew chapter 13. Many of you would know this. 44 and 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And we learned some things. And I want you to do, 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 do the measuring rod. Find out if we're living in the revelation of this. Now, I realize many of you came after. Well, good. Now we're all going to get up to speed together. And if you say, man, I really need to hear those messages, they're all online. Go to calvary.online. All these messages are here. And many of them, and one in particular, I want you to go and do the whole series. What we find out in this is that the kingdom is, the kingdom is a kingdom of seeking. Here's this man who is seeking this treasure. He is looking for it. We find this merchant who is looking for this parable of great price. And when you get, uh, get this in your spirit, that the kingdom that you're involved in because of Christ's work of grace in your life is a kingdom of seeking, you can simply ask yourself this question, am I seeking the kingdom? Am I seeking what God has for me? And, I, and I, I, you have to ask this question. Is the kingdom casually or easily seen? No, because it's a treasure that's hidden. It's not just a common pearl. It's an uncommon pearl. It's a merchant who's looking and looking and says, No, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. It's this one and only this one. Having found the pearl of great price, it's a kingdom of seeking. We found that seekers are always rewarded. Hebrews eleven six. You guys know this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because we must first believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Listen, when you get in this kingdom and you start seeking the kingdom and you start seeking God and you're not seeking something that is on the surface, I'm seeking something deeper. Man, you're gonna find a treasure. You're gonna find something valuable beyond the riches of this world. Which is this next revelation that the kingdom's valuable. Can I just say, say this? Nothing compares to having Jesus in your life. Nothing compares. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Which is why Jesus would say, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you hear the voice of the Savior astounded that someone could be given to something temporary when they're being offered something of eternal value? It's a kingdom of value, and the kingdom is priceless, and the king compares to no other, and it's a treasure that's rich beyond comparison, but it's also a kingdom of consecration. You need to listen to this. Notice, the man who found the treasure, he sold everything to have the treasure, and the man who found the pearl, he sold it all for the pearl. You see, this kingdom, is, it's a, it's, it's, I'm totally given to it. There's nothing left behind. 
Nothing left behind. And consecration isn't just cutting things out of your life. It's actually leaving some things behind because you are moving deeper into relationship with God. You're getting his heart. You're getting his mind. And you're saying, listen, I am consecrated to you. You divorce every other lover. You blow up all of the exit ramps. You're like, it's me and you, Jesus, forever. Into eternity. The kingdom of God is entered into through total consecration. We learn that. You say, how do you, why do you say that? Because Jesus gave everything. And all we are called to do is live like Jesus. We give everything totally consecrated. And I think this is something that God says. This is how we are to live as we are moving forward. There was a young lady in that season who lost the ability to walk. Dear family connected to our church, she could not move her legs. Her extremities were not working. Went to one hospital. They're like, we can't help you. We don't know. Went to another, transferred there, ultimately transferred again to Gainesville. Unable to figure out why she is paralyzed. And then we're hearing about it. We're stunned by it. Pulled up into church one day. I grabbed our youth pastor, Dylan. I said, today's the day. We're going up to that room. At the time, there was a flu epidemic. They weren't letting people in. They had sick people in the hallways. Many of you guys will remember this, early 2018, especially if you're in the, the medical profession. They didn't have rooms for people. They were stacking them everywhere. And they, th this was their thing. If you don't have to come to visit, please don't. But we had to go and visit. We knew we were on assignment from the Lord that day. And it was amazing because we went up to the floor and the doors to the floor opened for us. We walked in. We thought we're going to be stopped by somebody. We didn't have gowns. We didn't have masks. We had nothing. We're like, like, well, if they ain't saying something, I'm not saying anything. And so we just walked in. We walked down to that room. We fellowshiped with her for a little while. Just said, what, tell us what's going on. Tell us the whole story. Mom was there. And we were just listening and everything. And then all of a sudden, it was like the presence of God came into that room. Now's the time. And in that room, when doctors had no answer, the healer walked in the room. And we laid hands on her. And we declared Psalm 103 over her and peeled back, peeled her out of this, this wheelchair. I said, put your feet on the ground. She puts her feet on the ground. And we lifted her up out of the chair and supernatural, supernatural strength came to her legs, her feet. She's now walking around the room. She hasn't walked in days. No, hasn't walked in days. And we're like, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's on now. I said, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. 
Somebody's going to ask us, what did we do? They're going to interview us. What are we doing in here? We didn't check in. We didn't do anything. I said, well, our job is done here. Our job is done here. And we walked out. I'll never forget this. Got to the elevator. And children had painted uh, these little ceramic tiles on that floor about their experiences in the hospital and everything. And right by the elevator button I was pushing, I look over, and there's a tile there. And a child had drawn themselves in a bed. And an, uh, they showed an angel coming down. And over the top, this child had written, God came and healed me. I'm like, I was like, evidently he likes this floor. Which led to the second idea that I knew I had to share was the power of testimony. You see, in Revelation chapter 13, we, we find that there is an overcoming power that comes to the church. And we have, we, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. How many of you know? We know the blood is powerful to redeem. The blood is powerful to save. The blood is generous in the way that it redeems. But I want to tell you that in this verse, there is another power testified about, and it is the power of testimony. It says, they, were, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. This verse seems to equate the two. That there was a power in testimony. Matter of fact, let me prove it to you. When I was testifying of that healing, her parents were sitting right here in first service. They said, we know that little girl. I said, I know you know that little girl. Because she's walking and serving in our ministry today. Matter of fact, she got so healed she could be at the service that she wanted to be at uh, just a couple days after that healing. But when I was testifying of that healing, many of you felt the power of God surging in this place. Why? Because the word testimony, uh, it, it actually means this in Hebrew. I open the door to God so God can do it again. You see, in ancient Hebrew, the letters didn't just look like letters. They were actually pictures. And the first letter is ayin, and ayin literally looks like an eye. It means I witnessed it. It was firsthand. It was something I experienced. And then the second is dilet, but dilet, when written, it, it's actually in the shape of a door. It's that thing that you use, that you open the door and close the door. It's commonly used. And the revelation was this. If we want to see God's power come and move and change lives, we need to open the door and close the door with our testimony. It's the thing we use all day long. We just open our mouths and tell what Jesus did. We just tell of how he saved us, how he healed us. We open the door, and here's what happened. The same power that touched you when he heals you will show up again. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Julie Myers was one of the leaders at International House of Prayer. She had a dream. And in this dream, there were all of these intercessors who were, who were dead. And um, in this dream, she heard the Lord say, 
begin to tell them the stories of old revivals. And she said, uh, she went to one of these, these intercessors and begins to tell the story, and all of a sudden, the heart began to beat again. And the medical professionals in this dream shouted, I found a heartbeat! They said, what did you do? I told them the old stories. Why? Because the same power that God wants to release in something that he's already done, we need to testify of. And so we, we have to church once again. We can't just say, I'm, I laid that down for that season. No, no, no. I need to pick that back up, that there's a power in testifying everywhere. On your job, to your neighbors, to your family, they ought to be able to tell your testimony better than you. Why? We just open the door for God's power to come in. You want to see people saved? Tell your salvation story. Tell it. Open the door. And the same power that rescued you will rescue others. You felt it this morning as we were watching people symbolically go from death to life. You felt it. This was a public testimony in these baptisms. And, and celebration shot through the room. Why? Because there is power in testimony. So what was the one point that we learned in all those sermons? We could have summed it up in one sentence. It was this, believers must testify. We must testify. But then there was another truth that I, we absolutely have to lay hold of. Matter of fact, this one, um, we spent nearly uh, a quarter, 25% of our Sundays in 2018 were dedicated to this one series called Drawing Near. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. Matter of fact, in that season, you probably almost memorized Psalm chapter 1. And if you weren't here, let me bring you up to speed. Psalm 1 is amazing. But I, I, I begin to ask the Lord, I said, Lord, how do we see people actually do what, what we want them to do? That is that they would begin to walk in their callings. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get people to do that. He's like, I do. I'm like, okay, could you tell me? He says, Psalm 1. I said, okay. And this is what he says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates, meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Can you see this? This person in this story... They're a tree planted by the rivers of water. They bear fruit in their lifetime. They bear fruit. The tree is not just a tree. The tree is symbolic of a person. And that's what God put together there. And notice this. It says, their leaves do not wither. This was powerful. In Hebrew, I don't know, I felt compelled to look up this word wither. It literally means this, disgraced. It means the far reaches of what they touch will not be disgraced. Let me put it to you another way. The far reaches of their touch will be fully graced. They will be full of grace. Everything, it doesn't wither. What does it do? It releases life. And they prosper, which is another reason I knew I needed to mention this because sometimes we got, we got different definitions of prosper. I wrote this down a long time before I knew that we would be in this series. Here's the first definition of prosper. 
You move forward. It means to break out of the holding pattern. Anybody want to break out of the holding pattern? Well, what's the key? The key is the river. Well, when you look up the river in the Bible, you find, you find a river in Ezekiel. Where's it flowing from? Under the throne, out of the temple. Where's the river in heaven? Oh, I love this. Let's just read it together. Revelation. This is so good. There's a river in heaven. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the street. Do you see that? Where's the river? Doesn't look like the Withlacoochee. Main street. Down the middle of the street and on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. And, and this is what we learned from that, that there are well-worn paths that God has filled with his presence. Streets are places you are meant to walk in. And, and there are things in the Christian kingdom that you are, and I are meant to walk in so that we can experience the river. And they are the classic Christian disciplines. They are internal they're like the discipline of meditation, which is mentioned in, here in, in um, uh, Psalm 1, which has almost been completely lost to false religion. We say meditation in, in church, and people are like, oh. I'm like, stop that. False religions did not, did not create meditation. They perverted it. Meditation is not the emptying of your mind. It's focusing on God and filling your mind with that thought. It's taking one beautiful revelation and just stewing on it until God shows you something fantastic. This weekend, we were at Camp Connect, and we kind of connected with our kids. We took our chairs, went to a private place. And we experienced the benefit of one of these uh, disciplines called solitude, which is an external discipline. Some of you remember that Sunday I sent you home on an assignment. I said, go sit on a park bench and do not say a word. Don't pray out loud. Don't say anything. Just sit in silence and wait on God to speak to you. Me and my kids had just read Matthew chapter 6 about how God feeds the birds of the air. God feeds. He, he clothes the lily. We've just read that scripture, and all of a sudden got quiet. Now, it was freezing cold. There were no birds. But we just sat there and got quiet. And all of a sudden, these birds showed up. And we're just watching these little birds going around this tree. And all of a sudden, this little tiny bird found something disgusting to eat. And he enjoyed it. And his needs were met. It was the scripture right in front of us. My kids watched it. You know what positioned us to experience that? Solitude. There are, internal, uh, there are internal ones like prayer. 
you, you shouldn't think of prayer as something you need to do. You should think of prayer as something you get to do. Matter of fact, let's just talk about the last 14 days. You should think of fasting as a benefit, not as something that, that is just terrible and to be avoided. Matter of fact, if heaven has names on these streets, I actually believe that some of the, these streets are going to be named after some of these disciplines. There'll be prayer, there'll be generosity, and then there'll be a real exclusive neighborhood on Fasting Street. So few people go to that place where the river is flowing on that street. But all along, God's presence was there. And I tell you, if you'll just step into those places where the river is flowing, you will be changed. And so God taught us, this is how you do it internally. This is how you do it externally. Through submission to one another. Through serving one another. Through getting into silence. And then corporately getting together and worshiping together. And celebrating together. We spent nearly 12 weeks on drawing near. Why? Because God said, if you will just get into the river of my presence, my grace will transform you. We are not transformed by our willpower. We fail when we re rely on our own willpower. What do we need to do? We need to get into the river of his power under his grace, and that's where we're transformed. And that place is called prayer and fasting and meditation and submission and solitude and service and Worship and celebration. That's not the stuff I have to do. That's the stuff I get to do. And that's the place where I'm changed, where I bear fruit. I got a note recently uh, from somebody who was visiting for the first time. And uh, this is what she said. She says, I love this place which was pretty encouraging, but what she said was very telling. She goes, the people were smiling. I thought to myself that it was profound enough to notice that there were people celebrating what Jesus had done in their life. And the impression of somebody who came is that they were happy. They were joyous. They were celebrating. Can I just tell you? That comes from the river. That comes from the river of God's presence. And we choose to lay hold of that. And those are just the beginning of the paved pathways that are full of God's presence that lead to fruitfulness. And those things position us to change us. Listen, if you don't listen to any of these other series, please go back and listen to that one. That's how we need to draw near. That's how we'll really get into the fruitfulness of what God has for us. And then um, something miraculous, I, I would say, begin to happen here at Calvary. I, 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 I just begin to see that we needed a fresh revelation of Jesus. Just needed to see him again. You say, why? Well, because 2 Corinthians 3, 18, 
says this, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is saying, listen, we don't have anything between us, and we are like being transformed into the image of Jesus when Jesus is what we are looking at. Here's the principle that we learned. You become what you behold or the person you behold. You become what you behold. So we need, I'm like, Jesus, we want to be like you. So we looked at Jesus saves. We looked at him saving and rescuing and delivering and everything that Jesus came to do in that capacity. And something exploded in the spirit realm. And beginning in the end of September, we started this series. And then we moved on to Jesus uh, heals and people begin to get healed. And, and then we said Jesus empowers by his spirit. And people started getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and understanding that they were designed with God's purpose in mind. And then then uh, we, we looked at Jesus sending his disciples into their purpose, and we saw more people wanting to step into ministry. Why? Why was God doing all of that? It is because we were becoming more like Jesus. And in those last three months of the year, nearly 100 people got born again in three months' times. It was, it was nearly 100 people, and it was probably more than that when you count up all the ones that couldn't be counted in youth because the whole youth group responded in the altar hall multiple times. Can I just tell you, 100 people in three months got born again because we started looking at Jesus. Can I just, and please, please hear me when I say this, that the world does not need a revelation of us. We need to give the world a revelation of Jesus. And the way we will display him is by beholding him. And we want to see it more and more because there is nothing like being in relationship with the Jesus who saves, who heals who fills, and who sins. Nothing. About halfway through the year, I had a dream. And I had been mowing in this heavy grass in this dream with a push mower. And I had mowed out this square, and it was finished. And then all of a sudden, out, out of heaven came an imprint, a giant H, came and was imprinted on the ground. And I, I, I begin to understand, oh, uh, this is a landing pad. In the natural, it looks like a helicopter is going to land. But this is what the Lord said. He said, the preparations have been completed and the arrival of what you have been praying for is imminent. A powerful answer from heaven is about to land on us, Calvary, and we have to prepare because it is time. Now listen, that was powerful enough, and I had that dream uh, about six months ago or so, and that's the one I wrote down in this message, but I had a dream last night. And in this dream... 
I was standing before these silos in this store, and I knew what it was. And I saw some of your faces in this store. And it was a place called a co-op. Now listen, I'm not a farmer. I went camping this last weekend, but it was more like glamping. Okay? Have mercy. I'm, I'm not a farmer. But I know enough about a co-op that a co-op is a place where all the local harvesters bring their harvest to one place so it could bless the whole community. That's what a co-op does. And this is what the voice of God asked me a question. Said, is the co-op ready? And I answered for you. Because I don't know how you're going to answer, so I answered, you, I answered for you. I said, it's ready! And I woke right up. And I'm telling you, Calvary, we are about to see the greatest year of soul winning, of people coming to Christ, of getting born again, of getting set free, of getting healed in their bodies and healed in their marriages and healed in their families and absolutely getting filled up on Jesus where God is going to take the under-equipped and the, and the people who have not have a privilege step forward and God is going to step them in and use the nameless and faceless people to proclaim his name until his kingdom comes thundering down. I'm telling you, I, 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 I got a word from my dear sister uh, and she said, I saw a young, young child come forward. Young, young boy. And you handed them a scroll. And then you turned into Jesus and Jesus was handing this young man a scroll. And this is what she said, out of this place, there is coming a young man who is going to do something extremely large for the kingdom. And I'm like, God, make us ready that we can look at six and seven and eight-year-olds like we saw today and see tomorrow's evangelist, see tomorrow's prophets, see tomorrow's pastors, see the ones who lay hands on the sick and let them recover. I'm telling you, the co-op is ready and the harvest is coming. God is going to use you this year like never before. As we look, we move forward and look back and say, God, you've prepared us for this moment. And I'm going to step into it. I want you to bow your heads today.